Because it's been a really long time and we're very sorry. We're sorry, but life happens. Yes. You subscribe, it'll show up. It's true. Like, you don't have to know that it's coming. Mm -hmm. So, yes. Hello, everyone. Hi. And welcome to 2020. (laughs) This is 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, And... I, I don't even know how long it's been since we last recorded, but, you know, welcome to the new year. Uh, I I have embarked on zero new year, new me bullshit, so I'm really proud of myself for that avoiding that trap. <laughs> I'm trying to think if I thought of any new year, new me bullshit. Nope, nope, I knew better. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. Because you know what? Why? It's like amateur hour. It's also like getting slutty on Halloween. Do it all the time. Why wait? Like, Why wait? Have a New Year's resolution in October. Be a slut all the time. Just go for it. I think that's fine. I like it. Um, do you? Just do you. I just, I feel like New Year's resolutions are just like epic expectations that really hurt people later. <laughs> so. I don't feel like it tends to go well for a long time. You know, it's not like, like, even if you can get it to work for you briefly, um, it's very much like that, like, I'm going to go on a diet. Like, that's the wrong attitude to have about long-term change. It doesn't tend to work very well. It tends to result in a lot of self-shaming and blaming. And so, you know, I'm, it's, it's a new year, same me, same bullshit, but I am trying to do better. It's not like I'm not trying. Oh, oh. But I didn't wait for January 1 to try to. I was just like, you fucking show up. <laughs> <laughs> I love calling people show offs and they're doing normal ass things. Trash. Fuck you. Look at you meditating. Show off. Show offs. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed all this peace. Peace of mind. <laughs> Don't spit your drink out. <laughs> You just made it. <laughs> Barely. Mm. Speaking of, what's in your cup? Well, um, what's, I, left? what's left in my cup? So uh, what I am having, actually, I, I don't think I have talked about this specific drink on the podcast yet, but I have talked about this company before. So I am having a non-alcoholic cocktail from Curious Elixirs. And I am having Curious Number Two, and it is their riff on a spicy margarita slash dark and stormy. Ooh. Oh, you know how like a margarita and a dark and stormy both have lime. Yep. So it's got that citrusy element to it, um, and both a dark and stormy and a margarita have some warmth to them from the alcohol that's in there normally. So I don't know what they did to make the warmth part happened, but the ingredients include uh, pineapple juice that could, that has kind of a warmish flavor along with the cool flavor. What about ginger, maybe? This It has ginger. It has ancho chili, which Ooh. I really like, uh, like with avocado. Like if I make um, something, if I make guacamole or anything with avocado, really, I'll put ancho chili powder on it. Uh, that was a tip from a, an old friend, Andrew. Um, putting ancho chili powder in his guacamole and it's so good. Um, so this has uh, pineapple, orange, and lime juices, ginger, like you said, which is a warm flavor, ancho chili, which is a warm flavor, jalapeno. Um, it says chili extract, so I'm assuming it's other chilies and they don't want to tell you what flavor components it has because they don't want you to copy them. Um, sea salt. And then it says... Damiana and spice mix. So I'm sure okay. spice mix is another thing you don't want to copy. What is Damiana? Damiana's an herb. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's it might be more. It might be a flowering herb, but um, that's some hoodoo things. 
I'll hear about yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to look. I've never uh, heard of Damiana before, but I will say that um, I think I've mentioned, so I, I know I've mentioned Curious Cocktails on the podcast before. So I signed up for the Curious Cocktails, um, what's it called? Like their membership, like their club, mm-hmm. uh, like a year and a half ago. And they advertised it as though they had like found their stride. So they were like, oh, we'll send you, you know, we have three different cocktails. For the first three months, I got the same thing every single time. And their curious cocktail number one is their version of a non-alcoholic Negroni. And it's more bitter than a regular Negroni. So those of you who are not familiar with a Negroni, it's um, gin and uh, sweet vermouth and uh, like a, and a uh, Campari, which is like a bitter quite bitter. And so I like that flavor profile. I love bitter things. I love sour things, vinegary things. I love all that stuff. But the Curious Cocktails number one uh, non-alcoholic Negroni type thing not only is bitter like a Negroni, but the finish is really long. So you taste that bitterness for a very long time. It's almost like pith. Like, you know, when you eat, like you accidentally eat the pith of an orange Mm -hmm. and that bitterness stays in your mouth for a really long time that's what it tastes like. So after three months of that, I was like, I'm not into this. I do not want this. So I canceled my membership. And then um, they kept apologizing for how they kept sending out the same freaking box every month. Um, So after I canceled, I saw that they released new ones. So they now have four curious non-alcoholic cocktails. And it's the, I'll tell you how to remember which ones are good. It's the opposite of the Die Hard movies. Die Hard 1 and 3 are good, 2 and 4 are bullshit. The Curious Cocktails 1 and 3, I don't recommend. 2 and 4 are really good. <laughs> Miranda wasn't ready for me to use that as a mnemonic. Die but... Hard reference, wow. It was the holiday season not that long ago. <laughs> I just, at one, I haven't seen Die Hard 2, 3, and 4. Um... I don't recommend 2 and 4. Okay, but one and three, can can someone skip two and just get straight into three? Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. I was not ready for that analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Curious Cocktails, unless you are a super, like, I mean a really big fan of bitter flavors, I don't recommend one. Two is the one that I'm having right now, which is like the spicy margarita. And basically it's like a, it's a spicy citrus juice. It's really good it's like a spicy carbonated citrus juice it is really tasty um, and then i added a piece of fresh lemon to it so it makes it even more like Zesty. aromatic yeah um and then three i can't actually remember what it was i think three was supposed to be a collins and they recommend like they, they make two different versions of the three one has cbd and one doesn't and for the um if you purchase it by mail in certain states you can't get the CBD component in it, which is whatever. I don't know if that makes any difference. But I thought the flavors were, again, just a little too bitter. Mm-hmm. And then four was supposed to be an Aperol Spritz riff. And that was really nice. And the original four came like in a champagne bottle for like a party, which was also really pretty and, you know, had a nice presentation. So now I think the four is available in a uh, little bottles like this like little 12 ounce bottles so uh i would rec it i would recommend the four if it's anything like the one i had in the larger 750 ml bottle it was really nice and then like my hands down like no question favorite is the two it is excellent yes how about you well i um i'm having a local beverage um i realized i didn't ask where's curious cocktails from Uh, Let's see here. I want to say they're from New York is my guess. They don't actually say on their bottles. So this says shaken, not slurred. It it doesn't say where they're from. Probably they don't really have to since there's no taxes being collected for. Yeah. Well, Sorry, I just realized I never asked where they're from. So, because it just mm-hmm. makes sense about the shipping and stuff. Like, if people are in the state that it's from, you can go find it versus like the shipping. 
And there are definitely fine dining restaurants that have this. So like it gets exported around and like one of their claims to fame is that they're one of the few um, non-alcoholic cocktails that gets used in places like um, Daniel Baloud's restaurants in New York serve these um, as some of their non-alcoholic options. So they clearly have aimed for a very upmarket group, but you can buy them at home for I would say uh, a reasonable amount of money given what it looks like the ingredients are, right? Like these are um, good quality organic juices. So like, yeah. Sorry, I had to get a cork out of something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me let me tell you about my beverage. My Yes. So I'm having a very Minnesotan cocktail tonight. Not because it's special in the sense of like, it's definitely a whiskey and Coke. However, I am having Crooked Water, um, like the spirit company Crooked Water. I'm having their, um, what is this one called? Double Barreled Straight Bourbon Whiskey. The brand, like their name brand for it is Old Hell Roaring. So It's a really cute little bottle that you have. Yes, it's adorable. My friend Lisa and Clint um, at my house roaring party in October for Halloween, uh, they got me a three pack. One had an old fashioned in it, like a ready-made old fashioned, mm-hmm. not Wisconsin style. Let me be real. Mm. You know, it's okay. And um, Not everybody can hit that peak, you know? You know what? Not everyone's from God's country. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay. But <laughs> I feel like every state must say that. They're like, Texas, God's country. But meanwhile, I'm like, Wisconsin is God's country. Everyone else is like, shut up. <laughs> um, so I'm having Crooked Water, um, one of their whiskeys, and a little sampler. And then I decided to pair it with a Minnesota-made cola. Ooh, that's so... Se- Would I say that's very 60s, even? It's kind of 60s. I think this is very it's, 60s. Yes, very- it's definitely not 80s. It's very mid-century, and their logo, which is Northern Soda Company, um, which are known for their craft sodas. They're sold at Senders, which is a small grocery store in my neighborhood. Um, I feel like I've talked about them before, but they're one of like, I think only two places in all of Minnesota that have been grandfathered in to allow liquor sales inside the grocery store. Uh-huh. Like full alcohol, not this near beer bullshit that they sell at Cub and everywhere else. But um, anyways, every time I'm there, I try to pick up the local, these local colas and sodas and mixers. They're more expensive, but I also, like, I don't drink cocktails that much. And uh, when people come over, they're so excited to try it because it's not, you know, high fructose corn syrup. It's real sugar kind of thing. So, anyways, yeah, this is, like, a cane sugar cola. It's got a super cute can. It is so freaking cute, that can. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'll I'll take a photo of it just because, like, I'm not sure how successful or, or, like, successful or big they are. I have no idea because I only see them at centers. But, um... I've been buying them for over a year now, so I hope they're good. But it tastes very vanilla-y and delicious, and Mama likes her cocktail. And also, P.S., guys, if I ever come back as a ghost and you hear this sound, <laughs> ding, that's me. <laughs> Just like, oh, no, that's my ghost call. <laughs> that's also the sound of the old-fashioned, right? Like, tink, 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 tink. It really is. No, I feel like... Uh, I need to get everyone ready now in case I die. And then I come back and I'll be like, they hear a clinking. They're like, no one was having cocktails. It was early in the morning. It must have been Miranda. (laughs) (laughs) People hear like their dogs, like tags jingle, even though the dogs are on. Like mine is going to be ice clink or your ice machine running. I'm not sure. (laughs) Or cans getting popped in the distance. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, that's what I'm having. Nice. Yeah, very Minnesota. I thought I would go hardcore Minnesota today. So I like it. I like yeah. it. It sounds very tasty. It is. You know what? It's just a whiskey coke, but it tastes so vanilla-y. Um, I'm loving it. It's really delicious. So. You know, it's really interesting you had mentioned that because I am uh, very close to being out of my bottle of like Angostura bitters, like you know the standard bitters that you yeah put in everything, right? So. A year or two ago, um, for my birthday or for Christmas, um, Pat bought me a book called um, Bitterman's Field Guide to Bitters and Amaro. And it's a really cool book that is 
both a cookbook and an actual field guide. And they actually make a point of talking about what a field guide is. So they were like, wild. Hmm? So you can spot herbs in the wild? Well, I wish it were that. It's not quite that. It's similar, though. So the idea is that um, the book itself teaches you how to make your own bitters, if that's what you want to do. Um, and they tell you, like, uh, what, how to buy the ingredients and, and what ingredient provides which flavor profile. So if there's a certain flavor that you prefer or want to leave out, they tell you which part will bring it or leave it out. Um, and they also try to classify, and this is a really hard thing to classify, uh, the different bitters and Amari into flavor profiles, which is, like I said, it's hard to do because the point of bitters is that they bring a bunch of different flavors to your drink, whether it's alcoholic or non-alcoholic, but they sort of cluster them as aromatic bitters, fruit bitters, nut bitters, um, spicy bitters and herbal floral bitters mm -hmm. right? and that's a, a rough approximation that I think covers a lot of different things um, and so they have uh, recipes for making your own and then they have cooking recipes for how to use bitters in things both for the purposes of making cocktails which I think most people are familiar with but also for like if you want to cook with them like you want to add them to an ice cream or you want to add them to a sauce for a main course because bittering agents are flavor agents. So they don't have to be drunk. They don't have to be used in any particular way. They add whatever flavor profile they have to whatever it is you serve. Um, and some of they actually talk about like how they, the people who wrote the, the person who wrote the book really loves uh, aromatic bitters on ice cream. Oh, because it, yeah. like you have a vanilla ice cream and then you add this layer of flavor on top that has a lot of aroma and a lot of spice, you know, you could see how that would be really good. Yeah. Um, and they also talk a lot about, uh, at the end of the book is the field guide part. And they talk about how a field guide to birds doesn't tell you this bird is awesome and this bird sucks. It's just like, this is, <laughs> I know when I read that. I mean, my like, first... Also leave the judgment to Jesus. Maybe all birds are great. Okay. That's okay. exactly their point. Right. So like, when I saw it, so my, my first thought, right, is I'm running out of aromatic bitters. I want recommendations on which replacement bitters I should buy if I don't want to buy the exact same thing I had before, if I want to buy something that's just a little different. And when I got to the field guide section, they were like, if you're looking here for statements about this is good and this sucks, that's not what a field guide is. A field guide just tries to tell you what is available, like what is out there. And then how do you compare it to the thing that you like to see how big a departure it is from the thing that you like, you know, so you can make a guess at what to bother looking for. Right. And so I looked up the description of classic Angostura company bitters, and it was described as having like, obviously a lot of uh, aromatic profile, a lot of like spice, like a herbs, spices profile and then a little bit less citrus and then even less sweetness and then I started looking around for other bitters to that were comparable in profile but that did different things and what's super interesting is reading about all the ways that these different manufacturers and small batch makers have put their own spin on the flavor profile that they're making so they're making uh, an aromatic bitters that would work similarly to Angostura, but maybe it has more vanilla or maybe it has more cinnamon or maybe it has like a different kind of cinnamon because not all cinnamon is the same. Correct. You know, different proportions of cloves. Uh, it was just super interesting when you talk about like drinking this whiskey and Coke, which I think all of us would sort of say like whiskey and Coke, I know that flavor. I know what that right. is. I either like it or I don't like it. But if you made it with a different whiskey, if you made it with a different cola, it's going to feel and taste flavors. different. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not better flavors, but different flavors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and there may be a lot of colas that if you are not a big fan of Coca-Cola and you think you don't really like that soda in general, there are a lot of different versions that oh, yeah. maybe have some flavors or different proportions of sweetness that you would like better. I dig. I dig. 
Very good. Sorry, I'm like, word. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that, that just came to my mind because I was looking at that bitters book like three hours ago. And I was so excited because I I never thought about, I don't know why I never thought about it because I have a bunch of different bitters in my basement, but all the bitters that I have are intended to be extremely different flavor profiles. So I have like a cardamom bitters, lime bitters, plum bitters, and that tells you outright. Some of the what pro, you, yeah. Exactly. Um, but I don't think I ever considered the idea that within the same category that's meant to do a similar job, how incredibly different they could be. And I'm, I'll have to holler at you after this, but um, I definitely want something other than, is it Angostura? Mm -hmm. Am I saying that right? I always feel bad. But the basic ass bitters that are from New Orleans that everyone knows. It's not that I don't think they're great, but I do kind of think of Pimm's Cup when I drink them. Mm -hmm. It's kind of got like just kind of a herbaly gin flavor to it. Um, but I have sweet, or sorry, do I have bitter? I have bitter orange, that sweet orange, but bitter orange uh, bitters that I really love. But I would love to have other bitters in my house because my favorite drink that is super low alcohol or it's near no alcohol because bitters still have alcohol in them. Mm -hmm. They do. My friend Busher told me when we went out drink, uh, we went out drinking, I went out drinking, she's Muslim, she does not drink. Bar, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, I, I'm not having no mocktails with bitters. And I was like, oh, word, God. She's like, none of that. And I didn't realize that bitters had to be made with alcohol. She was like, it's inherent to how they're made. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, good to know. But um, anyways, the, the reason I bring it up, though, is like when I go out and I just don't feel like having a cocktail or a beer or anything, I'll always have like soda lime, soda with uh, bitters and lemon or soda water with bitters and lime, depending mm -hmm. on what I have. And it's tasty. It makes you still feel like you're an adult. You're having a good time, but it's not a basic gas water. And it's not soda either, which I don't want to have a soda or a pop. I don't want that. I'd rather have something a little light. Yeah. I think I just, I like sugar. I just don't want to drink something that tastes like I'm drinking sugar unless it is hot chocolate. Mm. That I can go for. Um, but like, I, yeah, I typically don't want sugary sodas I like the feeling of soda like I like the carbonation yeah I don't seek it out unless I'm really stressed out if I'm really stressed out then I'm like I need a coca-cola and that's like four times a year I'm like it's time for the coca-cola but like, <laughs> it's in my fridge otherwise but I know people probably look at me and they're like look at that girl she probably drinks coca-cola for breakfast or something but yeah it's a very rare experience and this is why I'm like hooray I'm gonna have it today well not yeah. yet Northern Soda Company. <laughs> Northern Soda Company. Well, speaking of many a things, or, or nothing, <laughs> what are you working on? All right. So I'm just going to lean away from the microphone for a second here while I pick this up off the ground. Um, yeah, that's a whole lot of shit right there. Not, no one else can see this, but I saw you just literally pick up a bundle like a baby. <laughs> it's a lot because I've actually never done this before, but I am making a sweater that is a top-down sweater. Normally, a sweater will have four pieces, front, back, two sleeves, and actually, uh, oftentimes, there's even like a fifth piece, which is that once all that seaming is done, you knit a collar around so that mm -hmm. it all looks like it's one solid piece. So that makes it easy to it makes it portable. I shouldn't say it makes it easy to knit, but it makes it portable because you can just take with the piece that you're working on and you're not taking the whole sweater with you everywhere you go. True. If you knit your sweater all in one piece, you must be taking the whole sweater with you everywhere you go. I also and feel like that, that would also make you second guess the weight of your sweater a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh, a lot. A lot. Oh, I'm not even using what I consider to be a very heavy wool because I'm not using a, um, I'm using a pretty airy yarn. It's a Plucky Knitter Cozy and it's a two ply yarn that is, I think, 90% superwash wool and 10% camel. And it's a pretty loose ply. So it's got a lot of air in it. So it makes it very warm. And that also means that it's got a lot of air in it. So for the amount of volume of sweater that you get, there's not a lot of weight to it. But it is. It's, it's still pretty heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I'm very happy with it so far, but you know, it does. It's better, it's better that you're, you're not sewing, but knitting up that size instead of my size. <laughs> that would be, that involve a giant tote bag. Good Lord. Maybe two hands. No, <laughs> I'm just laughing only because I like, if it is so, I mean, when also, whenever I buy Mima sweaters from thrift stores that are done in the fair isle style from, you know, Oh, Fair Isle, that's basically double thickness sweater, which yes. is what this is. Yeah. And it just, they're heavy. They're yep. heavy. And I'm always impressed by the hangers that they find at the thrift stores to make sure that they put those sweaters on because they know, they know how heavy they are. Those plastic <laughs> hangers are not going to cut it. Are not going to cut it. You need the wood for sure. But anyways, yes. I'm but yeah. That's very <laughs> similar to what I'm doing, which is that it's, this is, so I'm not making a Fair Isle sweater, but I am making a sweater that because of the, um, color work and because of the knit like the pattern it is condensed so instead of being like at a store-bought sweater it'll be a very flat knit it's meant it's a thinner fabric this okay. is a mix of knit and pearls so it sh it's um, shortened a little bit so it basically is not a double thickness sweater but it is thicker than your average store-bought sweater and that's just because of the 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 knit and pearl together exactly it exactly. essentially not shrinks up but it does take up more mass right and it does kind of again like you said not it doesn't shrink it up it doesn't actually make the sweater shorter like if you wash it it's not going to shrink but um it means that it takes more yarn to go the same distance yeah so inherently it's going to be heavier so the the sweater that i'm knitting is called diesis and it is by Alice Caetano, C-A-E-T-A-N-O, making it in... As Jordan Catalano? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's so dreamy when he leans. I love the way he leans. <laughs> Only the 90s kids I really wasted are going to feel that. Liking people that weren't great. Anyways, um, <laughs> um, continue with story. This island, I am drinking a cocktail. You're not. So let's let's keep going. <laughs> so uh, I'm making it in um, a DK weight yarn. Uh, so double knitting weight is a little bit heavier than the average store-bought sweater. Um, and it is turning out really well. I'm super happy with it. So it is, um, I sort of have a raspberry color on the collar. And then the body of the sweater is in a, uh, I would call it a blurple. A blurple? <laughs> it's blue and purple. <laughs> I didn't make that up. I can't remember who it was that um, described it that way. But there are many knitters who refer to these sort of royal blue, royal purple mixes as blurple. blurple. And when I say blurple, everybody knows what it's that, you know, everybody knows what that is. So it is... Um, that color alternating with a sort of medium silver gray. And I didn't actually have um, enough of the same exact gray. So I, I alternated skeins between a slightly deeper gray and a slightly lighter gray. And the overall effect just looks like a variegated gray. I can see it now. You kind of went like a couple rows at a time. Exactly. So the pattern is a, a four row pattern that you repeat over and over again and so uh, I did two rows of the bluish purple color all of which is the same I have enough of that one and then mm -hmm. the grays I didn't have enough of a single gray to do the whole sweater so to hide the differences between the grays I did two rows of the darker gray and then I had two rows of the blue purple two rows of lighter gray two rows of the blue purple two rows of the darker gray and the difference between the two is so slight that it's it just big. looks like it's slightly variegated gray, which goes with the the bluish purple because the bluish purple is slightly variegated. Like if you it's marled, right? Yeah. It's it's what? Marled. Uh, sort sorry. of. Marled is a fancy term, but doesn't exactly mean what you're talking about. I'm sorry. Heathered. Heathered is mm -hmm. the term I'm talking about, but yeah. Variegated. So, Stick with variegated. Well, I think I think variegated, marled, or um, what was the third word you used? Heathered. Heathered. All of those imply a similar overall effect, which is that um, it's not one solid flat color. It's a it's a mix of things, and this 
particular color because the contrast between the lightest shade and the darkest shade of that blue purple is very, very small. Mm -hmm. You don't see any differences in brightness. You just see differences in actual color value. I don't know how to describe it. It's not color value, but it's like saturation and maybe redness, right? Like okay. it's either slightly yeah. more red or slightly less red and that makes it blue or purple, but it's not lighter blue or darker blue. It's all the same value. Oh, okay. Dang it. So it's, and so that gives an overall effect that looks really unified, even though each of the colors are not unified at all. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. It absolutely does. And you're going to have to take a photo of this as our mm -hmm. post, as like the front cover of our post, because it's beautiful. I know that I keep saying like, oh, it's so beautiful, but you need to like show this. Because the last time you posted, you were just doing the neck. It's true. It's true. Like, posted about this sweater. So, yes. so what I've gotten done so far is I've gotten the whole body done. So from neck to hem, and I did the, the neck and the hem in the same sort of raspberry color. Mm -hmm. And then the sleeves are um, going to end up, the, the pattern on the body is the same as the pattern on the sleeves. But then the end of the sleeves, like toward the cuff, is in a different color. And in the pattern, they used more of like a a, uh, what's I'm looking for? A shaded version of primary colors. So it had like a blackened red, a blackened green, and a blackened yellow in all these different places. And I didn't choose to do that. Um, instead, my, uh, like I said, my neck and my hem are raspberry, and then the cuffs are going to be a uh, hunter green. Lovely. Yeah, so it'll be it'll be something that could be theoretically kind of like a, a holiday sweater because it'll have like reddish greenish things going on, but I disagree. I think that I just like your jewel tones. Yeah, whenever, they're very jewel tone. Whenever I think of these kinds of tones together, all I can think about is there was a Crayola marker box that we had. Yes. Bold colors. Yes, I remember that one. Yeah. I love that one. I love that one because I just remember it was like an amber and a deep turquoise and like a rich um, magenta, but that was a little bit more red casted. Like, oh, it was, it was so good. It, those were the best Crayola marker colors ever. Thank you. See, I, I knew you were with me on this. I'm literally slapping the table like, I know you remember this. Yes. So you're doing some bold tones. Yes. Bold. Very tones. much. Very, very much. So that's uh, the main thing that I'm doing. And then the other thing that I'm doing when I need a break from like a huge project, because obviously like a full size, I'm sorry, I keep moving my microphone around. Um, a full size adult sweater is a lot. Um, and I sometimes I need a little uh, palette cleanser, something small to do, something kind of detailed and focused to do. Mm -hmm. I have returned to the feminist icon cross stitch and I'm going to try to show you this without losing all of my um, all of my threads. But I am working on the uh, Sojourner Truth pattern, which I mentioned a long time ago. And I set it aside because I, I got distracted by knitting. But I really love the Sojourner Truth uh, motif that they did because not only, of course, is the story of Sojourner Truth just amazing, um, I also really love the way that the um, designers of that cross stitch really found a way to use the um, DMC colors to sort of get that faded effect of like a faded color photograph. Oh, like a, almost like a sepia. I mean, not yeah. a sepia. it's kind of, yeah, I hear that. It's tonal. It's more tonal than it is vibrant. Yes, which I think is appropriate for the period in history in which she came from, where like really rich, vibrant colors were probably expensive to do. Um, or and which also means still expensive and rich ass people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so it would have been hard to do. And then, of course, any any photographs or daguerreotypes or anything that came from that period would, of course, have faded in that time as well. And so it's just like this really beautiful color story yeah i love so, that i've no, been really enjoying doing that the book and i'm just like it is very harmonious i love that that's great 
Yes. I also didn't realize you were picking up cross-stitch again. That's awesome. That's it, it, it has been only lately, and I think it's because I've been working on larger projects. Um, so one of the things I've been working on also is darning the shawl, uh, the Celestarium shawl. That, um, and it's a, new, it's a new skill set for me. And Great. I like it's, it. And if any of you have looked at our Instagram, you'll see kind of the darning that I'm trying to do. It's basic darning in the sense that um, I am darning a stockinette pattern which is exactly what you would see in socks. So it's not like I'm trying to darn a complicated cable pattern or anything like that, but I'm just not used to it. I'm not good at it. It's not a skill set that I've used a lot. So it's, I have to take a breather from it every once in a while. The holes are regular, just like a moth hole or at this point, a puppy bite. Mm -hmm. and it's irregular, so it's hard to tell, like how far out do you have to go in mm -hmm. order to darn this so it, so it stays? It's a lot of work. Well, the other thing I think is that um, I'm so appreciative because I didn't want to lose it. <laughs> yeah, and you definitely won't. It will it will get finished. I think the the difficulty for me is that I'm so insecure about my my skill set with darning that technically when you darn something, you look at the hole, right? And you see that there's a hole in the knitting. But the yarn immediately around mm -hmm. that hole also has poor integrity because the ends are right there. So if you want to do a good patch or you want to go do a good darn, just like with uh, patching a hole in a garment, you don't want your patch to only be, to only meet up directly with the edge yeah, that no. was there. Yeah. You have to overlap it. Yeah. And so in darning, you don't necessarily overlap, but you unravel some of the stuff that didn't unravel yet. Ooh, that's stressful. Because you need those ends to be loose so that the ends that were previously cut, you can weave those into the patch that you're making to secure it. Wow. And then the new patch that you're making has to have long ends so you can weave that into the remaining fabric. So it's unnerving to purposefully unravel something. That you work so hard on. And it's not even so much that I work so hard on it. It's just more like... It's just hard to unravel it. It's, yeah, you look at it and you think, like, if I unravel this, can I fix it? Yeah. Like, I, I am not confident that I can fix it. And I have so far, but that does not make me feel more confident. Well, <laughs> I don't know why. Different. Every hole's different. But also, like, you have to be, sorry, like, we're having, like, a little sister moment here on the podcast for a hot minute. But it's like there's beads that make up the constellations, Mm -hmm. So that's a little hard in that those those constellations involve beads being put on them, and some of them those holes were really close to some of those beads. I had to so, like, I had to re bead a bead. A bead. Oh, you guys, the pitbull the pitbull mix that she was a puppy, and she clearly needed some attention. But this it still breaks my heart that she decided to attack this sweater. It clearly smelled like me, and it clearly was, like, mine, and she needed to, like, oh, let me know. She's not here. Not, sorry, she's still alive. But she's she doesn't live with me, but it's still, this is the problem with, like, things being, you know, within reach. So, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry, Island. I love that shawl so much. You don't have to apologize. I had to, I've had to repair things that I made for myself that no animal attacked, but just the yarn broke or... um I hooked it on something and it just, you know, didn't have enough integrity to hold it in place. Like I've had to do this before. It's just that I haven't had to do it on something where I cared so much about the outcome. Like yeah. if it's just a sweater for me, I'm like, eh, fuck it. If everybody can see that there's a hole in it, whatever, I made it for myself. Like it wasn't perfect anyway, but it's, I think it's because it was something that's meant for somebody else is going to leave my hands again. So I, I want it to look as nice as it can. Yeah. Well, and also it's a circular net. Mm -hmm. it's big. It, it's just all the challenges. Really, is <laughs> all the effing challenges. Oh, well, damn. So, um, thank you for working on it. But also, I love your other projects that are your palette cleansers right now. <laughs> That's awesome. What are you working on? Well, I'm not working so much in 
fiber stuff at the moment. Um, I will admit that my tarot reading has picked up a lot. Mm-hmm. Currently working on these big mamma jammas right here. I was going to say, I saw that you had brought out your large, your large sets again. My large Marge set. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll bring up large Marge later. But anyways, the, the point is, is like, I've been doing a lot of readings, which is really fun. And um, it's been great. I, I'm like even getting hired for parties and stuff, which is not stuff I ever anticipated, but I'm into it. I'm totally into it. So tarot card reading has been a big push for me at the moment. Um, I'm also getting ready for Valentine's Day, which is... Did you already figure out your Valentine? I did not. I I have a a Valentine's Day thing I'm going to do, but I don't think it's my actual Valentine's. Okay. Does that make sense? I'm going to do a thing for my lab, but it's for people that I work for and I don't, or not work for, but work with, and I'm going to do Valentine's separately from that. I have, or maybe I'll have two Valentines. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, fair enough. I have, um, I have two Valentine's Day projects. One is playlists for lovebirds and the solos. Like, I feel like there's a lot of good music out there and they're like, let's make a playlist of people that just have and download, whether you coupled or you sangle, like let's do something. So I'm working on that with somebody, a couple people actually, but one person in particular I was talking to about it today. And then, um, and I'm not, you know, Valentine's Day is for friends, not lovers in my life and our lives. So this is the first time I've ever had a lover's playlist. But I'm like, it's my first time being single on Valentine's Day in a really long, long, long time. So now I'm like, oh, word, I get what this is about. It's a little, I have a very strange experience with Valentine's Day because our family's always felt very much like it needs to be for friends. But um, in the meantime, I have I have a couple ideas I want to try for Valentine's this year. <sighs> but I'm, I'm not settled. Usually by now, usually at this point with January 20th, I know what I want to do. And I start Girl, working. Girl, it's three weeks away. But you know I make 200. I do know. I make a lot. You made marshmallows that one year, and that blew my mind. Strong recommend if anybody has the time to do it. it uh, it's not hard to do, but it is time consuming. They were beautifully cut little cubes in a beautiful little, like, um, glassine envelope. It was a glassine envelope. It was beautiful. I was like, and I think that was the same year I did a fortune cookie, paper fortune cookies. But, um, yeah, we killed it that year. Or was it my monster hand year? I can't remember. I think it was the fortune cookie year. It was fortune cookie year. It was a good year. It was a very good year. Um, yeah, I'm just hundred percent sure. The thing is, when people get Valentine's from me, they especially love it if they can wear it or if it tells them their fortune. Mm. And so that's where I'm like, oh, man, I got I got to think about this one a little bit more. It's hard. It's hard. So anyways, I'm still thinking about that. All suggestions welcome. But um, I thought about not work. I thought about making um, like bee pollinators like with, you know, wildflowers, depending on your region, because I ain't going to start, like, infiltrating your shit with some stuff from Minnesota. I would definitely do it by region. Um, so I've been thinking about those two. I've also thought about um, a couple more, like, felted projects. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I usually know what I need to do, but it's been it's a little tough this year. Well, it's, it's interesting that the tough part is that you're like, I have so many ideas, and how am I going <laughs> to narrow it down? Well, and also, like, I know myself. I will pull an all-nighter before Valentine's Day. I know you will. <laughs> and I'm trying not to do that because I live alone now and I have to manage my life. Like, I can't be like, you take care of the dogs and cook me mm-hmm. food. Like, I need to, like, manage my shit. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure that out. I'm trying to figure out which one to do. Um, all right. What else am I working on right now? Um, plants. I'm still deep on this plant kick. I went to a plant caretaking class at a fancy place that had cactus and succulents that made me feel real like like a hobo collecting cuttings from around the world kind of thing. Like people knew what they were doing and I was like, I just take some weeds and I grow them is what I felt when I was there. But um, I'm still trying to grow my garden. I'm still trying to like figure out my internal grow situation. 
I'm pretty lucky though. Like I feel in Minnesota's intense, intense cold, you need to have greenery to remind you that spring is coming, that you can keep things alive beside yourself. And, you know. Have you had good luck with your um, cactuses and succulents? My succulents? Yes, they continue to repopulate. I've recently, I don't know why I tried real hard to like go with some hard ass plants, some tough, difficult ones. When I didn't realize that, that sounds like, like Miranda. Yeah, you know what? Let me just take this to 11 from the start. Um, but I've recently like started rep- uh, propagating, I guess is the word, propagating my succulents, propagating my um, Zabrina. It is a, we've talked about this one before. It's like purple on the backside, light green, two different greens on the top. And then I also have another apothos that I'm like into. Those are the easy ass plants. But yeah, did I try some harder stuff? Yes. And are they still alive? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> We're going with that. So, yeah, I think um, those are my big projects right now. I realize it's not very tech, like textile craft driven, but it know. doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I've been my to do list on quilting is long, but I need to, <laughs> I need to get my machine um, conditioned because I've been I quilted so much last year mm. that I need to get it reconditioned. Yeah, that's it. I'll I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Well, shall we move into our gold stars? I think so. Would you like to start? I will. Um, Let's see. I think that uh, my gold star this week is going to go to, it's not just an Instagram account, but Instagram was how I found uh, this, how would you call it? It's a group organization, an organization. Um, And it seems appropriate, since today is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, to be learning more about institutional racism and the ways that we can fight against it. So I am going to give my gold star to the organization No White Saviors. I don't know if... I follow them. I love them on Instagram. I love that account. So and I've been following them for a little while. Um, no White Saver, No White Saviors is a, an organization based in Uganda, um, and they really work a lot on uh, challenging some of the truly harmful things that people have done in Uganda, but also in the the continent of Africa more broadly. Yeah. Um, in regards to um, sort of nefarious child, I guess you would call, like formally they were called adoptions, but it sounds like pseudo kidnapping. And it's also um, missionary work and some things. Well, like shady missionary work. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Efforts at um, trying to bring um, quote unquote medical care that is completely unsupervised and unprofessional and dangerous with strings attached and just all kinds of things. Um, and I think that it, until I started following this account, I thought that there were kind of like a few bad actors, but that on the whole, most people who did missionary work were trying to do the right thing and were at the very least harmless, if not helpful. And I was wrong. It's just all I can say is that I was wrong about that, that even the, so of course they're going to, the organization is going to highlight um, missionary groups or um, uh, charitable organizations that have gone and done real harm to people that they are definitely going to work on highlighting that, um, bringing legal challenges against that. Um, but they also really highlight the fact that regardless of whether or not people mean to be harmful or whether or not um, they do measurable harm, like causing people to become more sick or causing children to die or be taken out of their parents' care, that just the act of white saviorism undermines the work that people in those countries are doing themselves to help themselves and their own communities. And I, I don't think that I appreciated uh, the extent to which that um, is really detrimental to to various communities throughout the world. So No White Saviors, of course, really highlights the way that um, white saviorism is problematic in Africa, 
but that is true everywhere. It doesn't matter. It can be white saviorism is harmful in your own low income white community. right? So it doesn't matter where you are. That approach uh, is really problematic and really detrimental. And I think that no white saviors does a really good job of explaining that clearly and demonstrating it clearly. Um, and I feel like I learn a little bit more like every single day that I look at it. So I just want to appreciate them for doing the yeoman's work of educating people, right? Because they don't get paid for this. Like That's they get donations, but they don't get paid for their work in education, right? It's emotional labor. They're paying a price. They're, they're doing a lot, a lot of work. And um, I, I really appreciate it. I have uh, donated to their efforts because I realized that, of course, they are bringing me a lot of benefit that I, I don't put in, like, I don't put something into it necessarily to get something out of it. Um, and yeah, I think that they, they do a really great job. So that's my gold star. That is an amazing gold star. I am not ready to compete with that one, but that is a great <laughs> You don't have to compete. Oh, I so know, but this thing, like, that's the, that's the tippy top of the gold star. So <laughs> I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Um, you're going to laugh at my gold star. But um, I kind of want to give, it's a dual shout out. Mm-hmm. I'd like to give a shout out to Pat for trying new things month, which Pat says every month. Um, <laughs> it's always I, trying new things month. It's always new trying new things month. And I always think about that when Pat's like faced with something he doesn't want to, not that he doesn't want to try, but he's like, I'm unsure about. So it's trying new things month. So like, be, be kind with me. I'm going to try some stuff. And um, a little shout out to Pat on trying new things month. But also my my main gold star goes to Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <laughs> you said I was going to laugh. And I was like, no, I won't. But I did. Yeah, you did. Um, my friend Amy, she had a birthday party on a, during a snowstorm. And she's a blizzard. It wasn't just a snowstorm. It was a straight up blizzard. God bless Minnesota. But she's from Minnesota. All her friends are mainly from Minnesota. And anybody who's from Minnesota or the Midwest knows, if you know local folks, if you are so lucky to get brought into these local folds, you go where they tell you. You do not go, it's cold. It's icy. It's snowy. They're like. No, you put spikes on your boots and you just walk over. And you get over there. And Amy even told me like almost a year ago, there's no bad weather, just bad clothes. <laughs> like, Damn girl, cool. So I bought snow pants, <laughs> I bought down jackets, I bought mittens, I bought everything to like hang with this Minnesota crew because they're ride or die or walk and die. I don't know. <laughs> they're they're going to hang out no matter what. So anyways, I went to her birthday party during a blizzard and I get there and her jam is Dungeons and Dragons. And she is like one of the coolest rock and rolling girls I've ever met in my life. She's been a roadie for um, Cheap Trick, Megadeth, Hearts, Nicki Minaj, Katy Perry, and then some. They're, they're all on like speaking basis with her. They text her on her birthday. You know what I mean? Like everybody loves Amy. She's America's sweetheart. And when she was like, I love Dungeons and Dragons, get into it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. <laughs> Like, I literally, like, just, like, cowered, like, oh, okay, sure. And I had the fucking best time. If you're around the best people, the funniest people who make, who can, like, you know, spin a yarn and they can have a great story, that game, goddamn hilarious. I was well, it is basically storytelling and yeah. you improv within the I, bounds of the story. I was not ready for that. I assumed everything was going to be mystical, magical, and weird, and instead... Our main character that we were all trying to avenge his death was named fucking Artemis. <laughs> he was known for his churros. <laughs> it's like Mad Libs meets. Yes, all Mad Libs. So you know what? I learned something new. If you got the right people, Dungeons and Dragons is a good fucking time. And I think that Miranda of even just last year would not have played, would not have had a good time. Because really? I've been, you're nerds. And then meanwhile, 
like nothing like calling the kettle black, right? But like I I was not ready to learn that that was a fun game. It was a great time. I haven't laughed that hard in so long. So in in the spirit of Pat's trying new things month that happens every month, <laughs> and learning new things at the ripe old age of 37, I'm, I'm very pleased that I tried out Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know if I'll play again or not because I kind of don't remember all the dice and all the rules as far as like. My oh, you, ha- you have to have somebody that guides you through it or oh. you have to have a manual and I'm not going to read the manual, but I'll, I'll hang out with people who are doing it as long as there's somebody to explain to me what to do. Yeah. No, I might as well have been like the person like at the bowling alley with bumpers on. Like, oh, yes. Tell me what to do. I hope I survive. Right. But like. BT dubs, I didn't survive my first game. Oh, really? No. Well, I think we actually finished the game because everyone was like, everyone's too drunk. Like, I got way too toasted within the first round because I was laughing so hard. I I swear to God, I was like quenching my thirst with my champagne, which is a bad idea. But anyways, it was still so damn fun. I'll definitely play it again. Because if you're around the right people, it is the best time. So, wasn't ready for that, but I was very pleased. So anyways, that was my gold star. Yours is way more on the nose and cool. And I love that account. I think No White Savers is a great account to follow. Um, but my my second recommendation is try Dungeons and Dragons. Did I just <laughs> I said that, said that out loud? Okay. <laughs> hey guys, you want to try like some white people things? Cool, great, bye. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is my, that's my gold star. Cool. Well, I guess we're done. I guess we are done. Thank you. Thank, thank you, dear listener, for tuning in again. Dear listener, there's more than one. <laughs> there might be three. Um, so thank, thank you so much for, for coming back um, and for being patient with us while we had jobs. That was, that's real helpful. Yeah. <laughs> um. And if you want to look for us or more information about the projects that we're working on, um, we have our show notes at stitchcraftsisters.com. We are also on Instagram as stitchcraftsisters. And we do have a Ravelry page um, under the name Stitchcraft Podcast. Um, But as we've said on multiple episodes, it seems like Instagram is the place where people like to find us. So that's where we hang out the most. so feel free to uh, provide us your gold stars, the things that you're interested in. Uh, we definitely want to know what you're into. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I spoke over you. I'm like, tell me what you're doing for Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. Yes. Tell us what your Valentines are going to be or what you're thinking about or what you're debating between. Because um, like I said, I know. So I know what I'm going to make for my lab because I think my lab, uh, the people that work for me do not know that I consider Valentine's Day to be for friends and not lovers. So I don't want to make them feel awkward. So I'm going to go with a real basic Valentine's, you know, thing for them. Um, but then I, I haven't yet decided what I'm going to do for, uh, for folks who know me well. So I'm willing to take suggestiones. Yes. I'll take them any day. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what you do, Miranda, because you always knock it out of the park. I still have your Valentine's from uh, last year, your um, salt dough. My my fake um, conversation hearts. I love those. Like, we have one that says consent and one that says uh, XOXO, I think, which I really like. And I have uh, one of your, um, it was like big playing cards, but it was like a queen of hearts that was hand stitched onto another background, like another card base background that was really beautiful that we put out. Um, and I actually have an old vintage uh, Valentine that mom got from, I wanna say like the Treasure Mart or something that she framed. You got a lot of Treasure Mart Valentines for us, yes. Yeah, they're like it's like a Victorian Valentine, which I actually just leave out kind of all year, but I move it into the main like living room area uh, during Valentine's Day, so. I- a, a box of valentines that mom has found that are vintage valentines from time yeah she's given us a few that she's like yeah. or or not but like i'm always like oh these are the best <laughs> so 
sorry guys we love valentine's day over here but it's true not everyone else's like you know piece of cake or or flavor but i think that it's it's a good time to be friends it's a good time to tell your friends that you love them and that they they make your time they make your day absolutely and you guys make our day i'm sorry (laughs) oh you have a dog outside uh no Doobie is definitely on the couch and she knows not to bark. That's the downstairs neighbor's dog, Gus, who is very concerned. Anyways, (laughs) understandable. Understandable. He doesn't want you to go without Valentine's plans either. He's got so many plans. (laughs) He keeps vocalizing them. But anyways, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we will hopefully, I don't know, talk to you soon-ish, maybe. Can't. Well, well, we have to talk about Valentine's once we make them. I think that's it's a big... So it's our Super Bowl island. Let's do it. <laughs> yes. Make a plan here and now. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.